Blog Talk Radio. I love you, Lori. Have a good day. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio Theme, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit the Louise Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at Center.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. You know what that means? Oh, sorry. Wait, we're not doing the bell. <laughs> not yet. Not bell star. No bell. No, no bell. Bells, no bell star. No bell star bell. No bell star bell. Well, I would get to our um, our sound effects, but this this little crazy thing oh, here is like, yeah, it wants you to. It wants you to play, but you think there's know. oh, there it is. They did. I found it, little bastard. Sorry. Oh gosh. You know how they do that, don't you? All right. Well, welcome to We Say Wednesday. We're getting ready to smoke some pineapple push. Mm-hmm. It sure is. We're going to smoke some pineapple push, have some hard boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. And we decided that today, well, Candace didn't know this. Um, I've decided while he was in, at his house, we're going to play part of Weed 4. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm going to see a little bit of it. Yeah. Anyway, so. And a lot of people don't have time to sit down and um, watch things, you know? So this is for all you folks at your desk right now or on your commute or getting ready to drive to Phoenix, whatever you're doing today, you know? <laughs> um, so a little bit about Weed 4. I actually was in oh, yeah. seeing my, um, I went and saw my doctor on Monday morning. <gasps> was there anything in here no, first? No, there was nope. nothing in here. Oh, this, this one right there. Okay, this is Carmelicious. Oh, I know we're gonna have to start all over. So I, so um, where is, <laughs> where is uh, the laugh track? Because um, we had, I'm not even sure where you were going, but Cannabis Kid almost just um, put mm-hmm. himself to sleep. <laughs> um, he started to put pineapple cushion into the Carmelicious jar. And um, you can't do that because one little blip of caramelicious, and that boy is going night night. Take me out, folks. Yeah, totally. The stuff could put a rhino yeah. down. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I was with my doctor on Monday morning, and uh, getting my um, she filled out my certification card, uh-huh. and uh, take that into tumbleweed. Nice. And uh, so she got that all done for me on Monday morning. But I was going over a couple things, and I asked her. She she asked me about CBD. 
Your doctor did? My doctor did. Oh, my gosh. And, that um, is just amazing. She's like, tell me a little bit about it. Everyone is asking for it. And, and she's wow. up there. She's up there uh, in Oro Valley, which uh, Oro Valley is a lot of retirees. And they're from all over the country. I mean, you well, get a lot of people. It's a big catchphrase. CBD. <clears throat> tell yep. me about CBD. So yeah. Oh, I, that's uh, so exciting. So I told her, I said, she goes, um, do you have to have your card? I said, no. And she goes, do the dispensaries carry it? I said, the dispensaries do carry it, but you can't get in. You can't get in. I yeah. said, but the only place that you can't get in is Tumbleweed Health Center. Center. At 4826 so, East Broadway Boulevard, folks, come on in. For your array of CBD products. Yeah. So I just had oh. with Silver Sister yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Did you see all of it? Holy stuff? moly. Yeah, holy moly. Um, yeah. If you've ever wanted to try CBD to see what the effects are and if it can help you in any way, there are many different products down at Tumbleweed Health Center that yeah. um, will allow you to try it in different um, methods. And so I highly recommend anyone who is wanting to try out CBDs. Um, we even have CBDs for your pets. So, Which I just put my boy on this morning. Mm -hmm. I, I did Usually I just use the regular old CBD that I take or, you know, anybody can take um, this one. It's really cool. The dropper in it, the little dropper itself, is awesome. It's a strange That's little important. dropper, but it keeps all the liquid in. And it's 2 milligrams per drop, per drop. It's 1,200 milligrams in the whole bottle. So that's quite a bit. But it's really cool um, because the, the dropper – it's got a flat bottom. You know how they usually have that, like, long thing? Um, the dropper's got a flat bottom, so it doesn't let any of the medicine out. So when they say two milligrams per drop, you're, you're getting. Flat two. bottom droppers make the world go round. Flat bottom droppers. <laughs> yeah, that's our new band, the flat bottom droppers. I love it. Woo-hoo. Ain't no liquor in town. Woo. Cheers. We just got a delivery from Silver Sister. Cheers! We're talking about our... Um, it's warm. <laughs> we're talking about our, the CBD dog products, and I should grab the, the label and find out what that is. But anyway, he's on his bacon-flavored CBDs this morning. But Bacon-flavored CBDs. Yeah, his kid was telling us how his doctor was asking about CBDs and wanted all the scoop, wanted mm -hmm. to know the, the DL. So I'm taking her down some... Um, uh, flyer or some brochures about tumbleweeds and so she can be able to pass those out to her patients nice. and get them on down. That's so fantastic. We do. We need to go for a uh, put all our tumbleweeds logos or shirts on and just go make some trips to see maybe that's a good idea. Start with our own family practitioners. Mm -hmm. Start with our own family doctors and say, hey, have you guys heard about this? Because it's awesome. You know, I, I also explained to her, I said, you know, some of the patients are probably going out and looking on the on the web, yeah. and I, you know, we just don't know. That one, sorry, I almost We just don't know. Um, yeah. The background of each of those products, and you know, Silver Sister and Bell have definitely looked up oh and found God, these different research. places yeah. um, that are giving quality CBD, um, and they know what's in it, and they know where it's being harvested from. So, which is the most important part, is knowing where your medicine is coming from. Amen. So, you know, that's one of our big things, and we're a big stickler for that, is knowing where our medicine comes from and knowing that it's coming from a reliable source. And the company that is producing or manufacturing the product is um, rel um, yeah, reliable. following all the basic... Well, also reliable. I like that you said that because 
a lot of times <coughs> patients will go and they'll, they'll find a product that works really well for them. And then they go back the next week, yeah, we're having bone problems because I broke the stem. Good God, don't Maybe we need a little duct tape on that. But um, a lot of times you go back to find your products and you can't. Um, and that's a big problem. It's not like, you know, I mean, we'll get, we'll get everything regulated and organized and we'll get our bong fixed so that we don't have a broken stem. You put your thumb right there. Oh, you put your thumb right there. Okay. Anyway. Put your thumb on it. All put right. Your thumb on it. <laughs> oh, baby was upset. <laughs> so it's really good to, um, find a reliable, consistent source of cannabis. I think we just lost the cannabis kid. Wow, there we go. So and he uh, got a fresh bong hit, and that's what happens when you take the first bong of the bong hit of the day, and it's a total green bowl. <laughs> Wake up, cannabis kid. All right. Um, that's kind of just some reading. We have a loved one who has cancer, and so I researched how to make RSO. And he's a little afraid to take the RSO, even though he's been on a cannabis regime for at least a year and a half, probably a year, year and a half, been doing cannabis for at least that long, two years maybe. But he's he's afraid because everybody says this, you know, this RSO is really intense. So I actually looked up uh, what Rick Simpson had to say because it's Rick Simpson's oil. This is what he he found out how to make. Um, and Rick Simpson says basically. What you're going to feel is tired. It's such a high dosage that it's just going to overcome your body and make you rest and sleep, which is exactly what you need when you're trying to fight something bad, like cancer or anything. Um, but he says not to be afraid of the RSO. Just, you know, you're, he said some people take, you're supposed to work your way up from like a half a grain of rice up to a milligram a day. Some people, and you want they want you to get 60 milligrams in a 90-day period. And some people, he said, just, they just start taking it, and it's, they don't worry about the side effects because usually the side effects are rest and sleep. It's just an overwhelming amount of cannabis in your system. And when that's so, happening, the body is rejuvenating, yeah, when working you're resting, on the things. Yeah, absolutely. It always reminds me of that movie. Um, dang it. What was it? With that all was those a little movie. aliens that came down to start fixing the apartment complex. Oh, I don't, Do you remember that? No. In New York? And it had a lot of older people in it. Um, oh, uh, contact? Uh, not no, contact. not where they all went and go. No, no, no. The retired. There were these little tiny robots, and they go and they fix things really fast. <laughs> but anyway, it reminds me of that movie that, you know, when you're getting that sleep and that rest, you're allowing your body oh, to work. Oh, your body's coming in and fixing everything. Fixing things like it should be. Right. Getting back on track and balancing itself out. And right. doing all the things that it should have been doing. But because the body was under so much stress and pain. And attack. Because and attack, it was under attack. It wasn't allowing the body to do the proper thing to function. help fix it. Yeah. So I'll so, remember that movie. And um, I'll, I'll give you the shout out later on. Yeah, give us a shout out. Um, we are going to play a little bit of Weed 4. This is Pot versus Pills. Um, and let me get quickly here to let's see what's going on here. Because I'm sure they're going to throw a, uh, a um, commercial in here somehow. But, all right, well, maybe they're not, because it won't play. Live, TV, no, go back. All right, we're going to find it, so don't worry. Um, here we go, part four with Sanjay Gupta. So Sanjay Gupta started out by doing, um, uh-oh. 
And we're going to try like hell to get them off that addiction. All right. Hang on. Let's start over. This is a message from your, this is the beginning of the show. We're going to work with the people who are so addicted. And we're going to try like hell to get them off that addiction. You better try like hell. A national epidemic. Trump campaigned to end it. As president, he promised to fix it. This scourge of drug addiction in America will stop. It will stop. But one year later, it hasn't stopped. People are still dying. 115 Americans die every day from an opioid overdose. More than car accidents, breast cancer, or guns. Literally everyone we know knows somebody who has died in an overdose. And two and a half million Americans are currently struggling with opioid addiction. It was completely hopeless where I just was like, suicide is all caused in thought. People need to take some uh, aspirin sometimes and top it out. A solution, some believe, is this. Cannabis. It's controversial to many. Is cannabis a gateway drug? But a gateway to recovery for others. Did it help you get off of the opiates? Absolutely. Cannabis has given me a reason to live. Join us as we investigate, search for answers, and meet potential pioneers and outspoken critics. Whether you struggle with opioids or know one of the millions who do, decide for yourself. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and this is We Four Pop versus Pills. November 13, 2013. Monday Night Football. James to the goal line. Ah, man, that that day changed my life. They lost Mike James. Mike James was starting in the NFL. A childhood dream finally coming true. A dream born years ago in a small town in central Florida by a young boy and his single mom. My mom was a huge football fan. Huge. I heard. Huge, <laughs> I heard. huge, huge. She used to chase you down the sideline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> huge. And um, I got into football uh, through her. I mean, she put me in it. She knew I needed something to do with all the energy I had. And? something to keep him out of the trouble that Mike says landed his absent father in and out of prison. That trouble was drugs. Drugs for my family, you know, so I wanted to just play football, go to school, stay in my books, not get in any trouble. My senior year, he was one of the nation's top high school running backs. Offered a full scholarship to the University of Miami, a known launching pad to the NFL. My mom, she was crazy excited for me. It was everything that I ever hoped for. It was everything I wanted, you know. And then, overnight, Mike lost his biggest fan. His mom died in a car accident during the holidays of his sophomore year. Mike's wife, Aubrey, first met him not long after that accident. For him to be all right and mentally deal with this, he was going to lean on football. The funeral was New Year's Eve, 2010. Here's the pass. Left side, Michael James. 
the same day as one of Mike's biggest collegiate games, the Sun Bowl. An excruciating decision. I was going to do the thing that made both of us happy. Play ball. You know, she would have wanted you to be at that game. Yeah, my mom, I know my mom. You know. Driven by grief, Mike became relentless, pursuing that boyhood dream of playing professional football. He was drafted in 2013 by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that takes us back to Monday Night Football. Two yards from the goal line, Mike went in for a touchdown. He comes right down on that left ankle. The pain I was feeling was for shape. Aubrey raced down to be with her husband. He just was very calm and he was like, yeah, I broke my ankle. And immediately I just burst into tears. Mike needed surgery. Wires, screws, and a rod were put in to repair the break. He was in so much pain, he told me that he wanted to just cut his leg off. And like so many post-surgical patients, Mike was given a cocktail of opiates to take home. Did you worry about these opiate pills yourself, given what you'd seen with your own dad? Uh, no. Why? Because I was getting them from a doctor, you know? So I was like, I'm not getting this off the street. It must be cool for me to take it. You know? Doctor gives it to you. It must be okay. Yeah. Aubrey was worried, though, and tried to control how many he took. But Mike couldn't seem to get enough, at one point taking nearly two dozen painkillers a day. I'm like, you can't be taking all these pills. You know, you have to slow down. I didn't want to stop. I didn't feel the need to, and I didn't see the harm in it. And that's something we've heard over and over as we've reported on opioids. I don't want to stop. I can't stop. Truth is, in the beginning, the opioids work well, really well, for certain kinds of pain. But as you're on them longer and longer, they become less and less effective. The result? you take more and more. And that's when they become dangerous. Opioids, unlike just about any other drug, can turn off your body's natural instinct to breathe. Take too many, fall asleep, and never wake up. And studies show opioid dependence happens fast. Within weeks, Mike James had joined the millions of Americans dependent on opioids, putting himself at risk of dying every day and making him feel awful along the way, nauseated, constipated, still in pain. I became immune to the painkillers. Like, I still have pain, and now I'm sedated with pain. Our son was very young at that point. I'm trying to take care of Mike, take care of the small baby. I mean, I couldn't be around my kids sedated like that. I didn't want to be around anybody. It was a scenario that started to look frighteningly familiar. The notion that I would do what my father did to me, to my boys, I knew I had to make a change, you know. And that change came from the most unlikely place. I thought, we, that's that street drug, not even one to hear of what it had to offer. He's always been very anti-marijuana. I thought this was going to be a stretch. But with their lives falling apart, Aubrey made one final plea, asking Mike to try pot instead of pills. 
because this is what gets me every time, is that someone is willing to do oxy or dilaudid or, you know, uh, morphine, Vicodin. Heavy, heavy chemicals. Heavy, heavy, heavy chemicals. Mm-hmm. They will not think twice about touching a plant because it's a street drug. Because that's what our government has put woven into the it's been woven society. into the bad part of, of the bad news. Yeah. And it's just, it, it floors me when I talk to very, very intelligent people and they say, yeah, I'd, I'd rather take this radioactive rat poisoning than put a plant in my body. Really? I know okay. on how ingrained it's, it is it's, in society. It's cellular. It, yeah. It's gone through the ages, and we've got, we've you know. scared, and we've put a one grandma demeaning, demeaning daughter. view yeah. on this plant and perspective on this it's plant. passed down from generations, and now it's hard because you've got re-educate super intelligent people, people yeah. still thinking this is a street drug. This is, right. you know, and for some people, maybe it is, but what we're promoting is, you know, medicinal value. Right. So it's exactly. just, it, it, thank you. It's just alarming. But times are changing. Like we, You're watching it right now. We are. Mike finally tried it the in volcano. February 2014. My pain subsided. I never had something where I could be coherent and still have pain relief. Mike was once again himself clear of mind and nearly pain-free. But there was a problem. Cannabis is banned in the NFL. Using it can get you fined, suspended, even fired. A risk Mike wasn't willing to take. If we get that stance right, a risk former NFL lineman Kyle Turley understands. He was offered cannabis early in his career. This guy saw me and said, Kyle, you need to try this. Okay. And I said, no way. I'm not going to risk my career and get positive on a drug test. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. When I'm done with this game, maybe I'll work. I'll try it. And he did. As soon as he retired. Now, every morning, Kyle begins his day with a cup of coffee. And a few hits of something he calls... A necessary medicine, marijuana. It's replaced all those pills he used to take. Since 96, when I blew my knee out, you know, it was a painkiller, muscle relaxer, sleep aid, and anti-inflammatory. Those four are staples in an athlete's regimen of medicine. It's the opiate. It's the, the painkiller that I think uh, people are really coming to terms with. Yeah, because it's very easy for those to go from one to two to three, to more than a dozen a day. It became a near deadly addiction. I was completely hopeless. These side effects are very real. Suicide is all constant thought. I'm raging on my family, all these things. And raging on the football field. And now currently, right to hell. talked about marijuana as this gateway drug. And reality is, this was my gateway to drugs. <laughs> football was. Yeah. Football. In many ways, football players are the perfect population to see just how bad this opioid crisis really is. One study shows that former players abuse opioids four times more than the general population. It's a tough, brutal game, after all. Constant pounding, hard hits, lots of pain. Kyle Turley, Mike James. They felt they needed the opioids 
just to be able to do their job. Your production is how you get paid. And you can't produce, you know, without playing on the field. Opioids, they were told by doctors, were the best way to keep going. I got into pain medicine at a time when we didn't have very good treatments for pain. Dr. Mark Wallace is the director of the Center for Pain Medicine at the University of California, San Diego. He, like most of us doctors, was taught in medical school to prescribe opioids. We were told that, well, there's evidence that the use of opiates are probably not that risky and that we should use them more liberally. They don't it was the 1990s, and doctors were seeing a lot of commercials like this one. These drugs, which I repeat, are our best, strongest pain medications, should be used much more than they are for patients in pain. Problem is, while they were FDA-approved for some kinds of pain, they were never intended to be used long-term. Mm-hmm. And started to see patients who were prescribed opiates for their pain conditions who had never been addicted to anything becoming addicted to those drugs. Dr. Nora Volkov, the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Okay, did you hear that? These are people that have never been addicted to anything in their lives, and suddenly they're finding themselves completely dependent on a chemical that's Have tearing, never used drugs. Have never ever. used drugs, and, and they're finding themselves dependent on a chemical that's tearing their body and their lives apart. I mean, you're mm. not talking about the average person who comes from a family of addicts who's more, you know, susceptible mm-hmm. or, or just, you yeah. know, has it in their genes mm-hmm. to actually become an addict. You know, there it's it's a cellular thing, but we're talking about the America that is not um, predispositioned to addiction. And that's huge because now they are. Now you're addicting people and that's becoming cellular. And this isn't okay. Believes that was the beginning of our opioid crisis. We knew that there was a danger. We knew that they weren't as effective after a period of time. And yet it still happened anyway. Marketing. We started questioning whether we should be using opioids, but we didn't have a lot of good alternatives at the time. Proposition 215 made medical marijuana legal. Prop 215 allows the sick and dying to use marijuana for medical reasons. When it was legalized, I didn't jump on the bandwagon and say, well, I'm going to start using it. I was asking myself, are we going to make the same mistake? Because there's not a lot of evidence with cannabis either at the time. But there was history. Before marijuana was banned in the 1970s, it was used for more than a century as a treatment for many disorders, including leprosy, epilepsy, and pain. And so you have to consider that. I started looking at medical cannabis as an alternative to opioids. In 1999, the California state government gave $10 million to Wallace and others to study the plant at the Center for Medicinal Cannabis Research in Southern California. Within a decade, there were half a dozen studies to show that cannabis could relieve certain kinds of pain. The results made the cautious doctor more comfortable. He started to use cannabis in his practice as an alternative to opioids. 80% of his patients, hundreds of patients, were weaned off of pills using pot. Wow. Oh, I Patients like Mark Schechter. You feeling okay right now? Feeling pretty good. Which is amazing when you consider Mark has an extremely painful spinal disorder that left him partially paralyzed 10 years ago. 
the nerve pain was something I never experienced before in my life. Relentless and chronic, doctors offered opioids, Percocet, Oxycontin, Fentanyl. Roughly 10 tablets, different medications. Yeah, 10 yeah. tablets a day. Yeah, yeah. Every day. Every day. I, I doubt how well they were working. <laughs> Forecast from Kingston, 69 degrees. Thank you. We'll be right back. It's growing season at one of Las Vegas's largest medical marijuana dispensaries, Shango. Shango. Is this what the grow fields of today look like? They are uh, indoor. These are a lot uh, larger. Fifty different kinds of cannabis are grown and cultivated here. Thank you very much. Kyle Turley is a loyal customer. Here's uh, Shango. I drive all the way back from Southern California. That's nearly 500 miles round trip to restock his supply of cannabis every month. There's a lot to say for cleanliness, purity of product, consistency, all these things that in the marijuana program in California still even, it's hit and miss. At the end of the day, this is my medicine. And while it may be his medicine, this plant is still not regulated like a traditional medicine, despite the fact it's now legal to use marijuana medicinally in more than half the United States. There is still no standard prescribed dose. Oh, that's awesome. They've got for sale raw cannabis oil, ground plant material in in different forms. So you can, like, make your own smoothies or... Put it on top of your pizza, a little garlic toast. Stick stem seeds. Wow, that's great. Shake. What's it say? Something uh, something extraction. I can't read the... Oh, pure extraction? Pre- I don't know. But that's really neat. So California has had their dispensary since 1996, so it's been a while. They've had 22 years to play with weed. So <laughs> they got some cool stuff there. they got raw cannabis oil you can just have a little scoop of. It looks like honey. And, uh, mm-hmm. wow, this is great. In case you're wondering what the heck's going on, you're listening Post to Weekday Wednesday. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, good job. Um, live cannabis radio show. We're, we're, we're playing Weed 4. <laughs> we're all on Pineapple Kush, so we're a little focused. Let's just say that. Quiet? No. Squirrel. Look, he's pulling out magazines. What are you doing, Kennedy? Stretching, we're eating hard boiled eggs. Grabbing coffee, latte, cappuccino. <laughs> Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. After getting a recommendation, not a prescription, from a doctor, a patient is pretty much, uh, much on their own. Yep. Whoa. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. No How many strains did you try? <laughs> Everything California's had to offer. Is that right? Yeah. And the one that helped him as a substitute for painkillers, a strain high in non-psychoactive cannabidiol, CBD. Remember, cannabis is made up of 400-plus ingredients. The two scientists know the most about are THC, which is the psychedelic component of cannabis, which makes you feel high. And then there is CBD, cannabidiol, the non-psychoactive chemical. We've told you about this one for years especially how it stops chronic epileptic seizures in young children. There is also research showing that CBD is particularly helpful 
when it comes to pain. In fact, CBD can do something opioids cannot. With opiates, you're talking about killing the pain, masking the pain, you're done. Dr. Julie Holland edited the pot book, A Complete Guide to Cannabis. With medical cannabis, you're actually not just talking about decreasing pain, but you're decreasing inflammation. That's because opioids do a good job of interfering with pain signals going to the brain. But cannabis works on two receptors, one that blocks that pain and one that decreases inflammation. It's ironic that cannabis can do more than opioids, yet prescription opioids are legal and cannabis is not. Historically, that was not the case. For centuries, both cannabis and poppy, two plants, the natural forms of marijuana and opioids, were commonly prescribed by doctors and dispensed at pharmacies. But that all changed in the 1930s. Opioids would go on to become a best-selling drug, and cannabis became increasingly fringe. In part, because one kind of cannabis, called hemp, was a threat to big business. Hemp is a cheap fiber, good for making paper and canvas, more absorbent than cotton and could be used as a potential fuel. So there were a lot of vested interests that sort of put cannabis down, took it away from the doctors, made it illegal. And despite many efforts we've reported on for the past five years, marijuana is still an illegal Schedule One controlled substance, same as heroin and meth. The opportunities that are available, something Kyle remembers every time he crosses state lines with his month's supply of cannabis. The medicine he says he can't live without. They could pull me out of my car and file federal charges against me for trafficking marijuana across state lines. You know Kyle Turley? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All those guys, man. I, I have the courage to be here sitting in front of you because all those guys that paved the way. And the courage to finally give up the opioids. That came in the summer of 2017. Injured at practice, the opioids didn't help, so he decided he'd stop using them for good. I was excited. You know, I felt like I was beginning a new life. You know. A new life, hot over pills. I was looking for someone maybe to help me with information, muscle spasms. He got yeah. advice from friends and doctors, and Mike got more comfortable with cannabis and what strains to use. I like that, though, to go. He got his medical marijuana card and, like Kyle Turley, went to dispensary wow. and found strains that worked for him. Leg and foot. This would be good for my ankle right here. But also, like Kyle, it was a risky decision. Remember what we told you earlier. Marijuana, even non-psychoactive CBD, is banned in the NFL. So Mike had to be careful not to test positive. He was willing, however, to take the chance. But then... Mike's luck ran out a couple of months later. Marijuana positive test. The NFL put Mike in their substance abuse program. But what if he continued to test positive? They could ban me from the leaf because of marijuana. And it could happen any day. An uncertainty Mike was not willing to live with as the 2018 football season approached. Hi, Mike. Oh, it's great to see you. With two months until training camp, Mike decided to be the first NFL player to file a TUE, a therapeutic use exemption for cannabis. Basically, he wanted approval to use medical marijuana, even though it's banned. This is the first active player who's been willing to put 
their professional career on the line to openly admit that they have been using this cannabis. So they want to know Dose, Dr. Sue Sifley, is taking on the fight to help NFL players, like Mike, to use medical cannabis legally as part of a group called Doctors for Cannabis Regulation. They understand the risks that I have by playing the NFL and being a child of substance abuse. They take all that into consideration. It does take a tremendous amount of fortitude to be able to to question the NFL openly when you're getting a paycheck from them. They love their yeah. line. I appreciate Mike knows he's put his career and his family in jeopardy. I just want people to listen. It will open the door for so many guys to use this as their medicine. But will the NFL slam the door in Mike's face? That a little later. Cannabidol is able to reverse, but first, researchers using cannabis to open the door as a new way to break the chain of addiction. Oh yeah, check it out. We got stock market. Done. Poppy, a beautiful flower that looks harmless enough. Derived from this plant can turn people into addicts. They start seeking them out, and at the cost of everything else, even their death. Yasmin Hurd, director of the Addiction Institute at Mount Sinai in New York, says that's because these pain pills make profound changes in the brain soon after you start using them. This is where you actually get to look at the brain. Exactly. Hurd. Collects brains, hundreds of them, from opioid addicts who have overdosed. It's grim work. Is there anything that's different about the brain of someone who's an addict versus someone else's brain? It's not the, the lowest changes. It's how the cells communicate with each other that have changed. Heard showed me under the microscope. This is a healthy brain. Lots of cells, lots of connections. It's beautiful, the branching. The communication is essential for... Every single thing we do. This is a brain on drugs, specifically opioids. So one of the things you can see is that there's not that many networks. This looks like a poorly populated neighborhood. Exactly. This is what a brain disease looks like. Opioids have damaged these receptors, the glutamate receptors in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, making it harder to make decisions, Mm. use good judgment, making it harder to just say no. The craving is so prominent, it's so, it's, it's so enormous that they can't stop themselves. So even if they want to stop, they can't. Their newly wired brains won't let them. It could help explain why some therapies to treat addiction aren't successful. Take abstinence. I just think it's egregious. You're telling someone whose brain is fundamentally changed that all they have to do is to say no when those circuits that mediate those aspects of cognition are altered. That's why, Heard says, abstinence programs are usually only 5 to 10% effective. There is more success, however, with what's called medication-assisted treatment, MAT. You substitute lower-dose, slightly safer opioids like methadone and suboxone instead of the potent painkillers. These drugs do reduce the risk of overdosing by more than 50%, but Herd's biggest concern 
MAT is still dependent on opioids. And as you've just seen, that means the brain disease of addiction is never fully treated, which is what Herd started to focus on the CBD in cannabis to not only treat the underlying pain, but to also heal the brain. But CBD normalizes that. So by normalizing glutamate, you can restructure and normalize um, back the impairments in the cellular, at the cellular level, at the molecular level. Helping get rid of the cravings that someone, like taking someone back. Exactly, exactly. And it's not just the pain or even the cravings that cannabis could help, but also the withdrawal symptoms of getting off opioids, the nausea, the insomnia, the bone-searing pain. It's like having an intense flu that just won't go away. The withdrawals from opiates was horrific. They told, we'll get you through that as we're trying to wean you. And over the last several years, Dr. Wallace's team has figured out the right strains to soothe the withdrawal symptoms, which are very similar to the side effects of chemotherapy. No surprise, because for decades, studies have shown that both THC and CBD can help cancer patients in treatment. Did it help you get off of the opiates? Absolutely. 100%. You hear about CBD being able to help people with the withdrawal-type symptoms that they get trying to come off of opiates. Even here, as you mentioned, that CBD can help repair the brain. Is that as promising as it sounds? As a scientist, I am definitely try to be optimistic. But also cautious. Wow. She knows we need more research, but getting that done is not easy. It's something we've reported on for years. Because cannabis is a controlled substance, getting federal funding is difficult, and getting the actual cannabis to study is challenging. It took Yasmin Hurd four years just to get started. I just don't understand why we can't go on to have more in-depth studies to really see, indeed, if this does work and can be effective for at least a subset of people, even if it's not for all the 50,000 people who will die this year. It's hard to do. Harvard's Stacy Gruber has also struggled to do this kind of research. Her early studies show subjects who were given cannabis for the very first time reduced their opioid use by 47%. It's a staggering number. And like hers, Gruber also showed that their brains changed, went off of pills and on pot. The brain's white matter, which is what allows it to communicate from one region to another, became better organized. Those same folks show improvements in cognitive performance. So it's very exciting. Exciting for opioid addicts. And now raising the question, could this help with other brain diseases, like Alzheimer's and dementia? The latest research shows that in lab-grown neurons, cannabis removes the protein that accumulates in the brains of these patients. Again, nothing else has been identified to do that. That doesn't surprise Hal Turley. He was diagnosed with early CTE, a sort of Alzheimer's-like disease, and he is a firm believer CBD has helped return his memory, quell his anger, and ease his depression. Uh, we have a potential resolve um, to allow individuals to live better lives. But to know for sure means more research, which, as I told you, is hard enough. And it might get even harder. If I were sick, I wouldn't suggest you take marijuana. That when we come back. 
well. We're back. It's springtime in Ann Arbor, Michigan. For 47 oh, yeah. years, this rally has been held every first Saturday in April at high noon to fight for the reform of marijuana laws. It's time to put players on the field with a less harmful medicine. With his career and reputation on the line, Mike James is telling the world that cannabis worked for him. It's time for their doctor to start listening to my daughter, Dr. Sue Sisley. Mike is traveling around the country with Dr. Sue Sisley from Doctors for Cannabis Regulation. It's been a month now since he petitioned the NFL for a therapeutic use exemption for cannabis. This is my medicine. I mean, it's not like I just, it's not a, a game or anything. Mike's case is such a perfect example of why um, cannabis needs to be made available because he's really not a candidate for opioids. This crowd seems receptive to that message, but that's not the case 500 miles away in the nation's capital. The use of marijuana is detrimental. Marijuana is not a healthy substance. And if I were sick, I wouldn't suggest you take marijuana to cure yourself. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who declined to be interviewed for this documentary, has made it crystal clear he sees no good to come out of marijuana, including cannabis's role in the opioid crisis. I'm astonished to hear people suggest we can solve our heroin crisis. Have you heard this? By having more marijuana. How stupid is that? These pills become so addictive. And DEA said that a huge percentage of the heroin addiction starts with prescriptions. We think a lot of this is starting with marijuana and other drugs. Marijuana has a gateway drug to more dangerous, more lethal narcotics. It's a notion that has steered policy and public opinion for decades. Leading medical researchers are coming to the conclusion that marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug in the United States. But what if that long-held Problem. notion Problem. isn't true? Problem. There yes, is really me. no evidence that cannabis is the gateway to hard drugs. Ten years of clinical experience, I have never seen it. Gateway, sure. Gateway to recovery. Gateway to feeling better. Gateway to getting my life back. Cannabis yeah. can actually, as opposed yeah. to being a gateway, it can be a terminus. It can stop drug use. These are the researchers who write the books advance the science, grow our knowledge, and they are seeing an increasing body of research suggesting marijuana can actually stop addiction and help offset the opioid epidemic. A RAND Corporation study funded by the National Institute on Drug Abuse showed something few initially expected. Between 1999 and 2010, states with legal functioning medical marijuana dispensaries have seen lower opioid prescription rates and fewer deaths from opioid overdoses. Fewer, not greater. We're going to be looking at 64,000 deaths in 16. we got to stop the deaths. Both former Governor Chris Christie and former Congressman Patrick Kennedy served on President Trump's Commission on Combating Addiction and the Opioid Crisis. So I had assembled a whole litany of recommendations for better mental health and addiction for this country. Kennedy has been very public about his own addiction and recovery. I was on Suboxone for a number of years. It definitely stabilized me. When someone is out there in the throes of opioid addiction, it is 100% sure that if you give them opioid replacement therapy, you get them stabilized. For Kennedy and the rest of the Opioid Commission, 
The best way to save lives is expanded access to MAT, medication-assisted treatments, not marijuana. The commission was reacting to a number of questions about whether you could substitute marijuana for opioids and obviously uh, people be stoned, but they wouldn't be dead. Zero fatalities. It's a point that is turned over again. No one has ever reportedly died from a marijuana overdose. Would you say that cannabis is safer than opioids? Is that a fair statement to make? In terms of overdoses, absolutely. If physical pain could be treated in this way, in a way that's less risky, in the midst of this opioid epidemic, is it, isn't that worth considering? No, it's, it's, it seems eminently sensible to, if you're looking at the lesser of two evils, but by that logic, you know, we'd be accepting a lot of stuff in this country. And in my view, if we really want to get medicines to people, then we go about it in the way that we've always gone about it, Sanjay. And that's called NIH research, clinical trials, FDA approval. And the reason we have that, as you know, Sanjay, is because of safety, efficacy, and risk. It's a fair point. But the president's commission did not recommend any research into medical marijuana, nor any of its compounds, including non-psychoactive CBD. So your federal government has a system of making sure something is both safe before they put it on our shelves. But they we will not. They will not do, and they will not do the research on cannabis because they know that this is the safest medicine that you could possibly offer to any human or four-legged or mammal anything probably on this planet. They will not do the research for that reason. They'll research, reach, you know, research other things and approve Vicodin and morphine and all these addictive substances. See, I wonder why they, they this is where I come in. Why do they get so much control? Well, this is why we need to get to the Capitol in our little shiny suit and go make some statements and say, hey, Canada's just good for you to join everybody else to get there. We need to take Wednesday Wednesday to the Capitol. We're doing it. We say Wednesday, so to the Capitol. A mistake, a missed opportunity, according to researchers like Yasmin Heard. It should be treated like everything else. Let it have its due process, and let's see what evidence is there for it treating or not treating a particular symptom or disorder. Whether it's cannabidiol in Heard's lab or cannabis prescribed by Dr. Wallace, it's marijuana as medicine, an idea shot down time and time again by the country's top law enforcement official. I'm afraid that the public is not properly educated on, on some of the issues related to marijuana. What would you say to the Attorney General? I would say he's wrong. And I think that he needs to be educated. If he came and spent a week with me in my clinic, I think I could probably convince him otherwise. Education and understand the same goals Mike James has by going public with his story. Early word from the NFL is that they only give therapeutic use exemptions for drugs that are FDA approved. Cannabis, of course, is not. But the league is still considering it, as is the NFL Players Union, which has already been looking at cannabis as part of their initiative to study pain and the best therapies for it. Executive Director D. Marie Smith. Our job is to find the best medical science to support your therapeutic use exemption. 
what I would say to him and every NFL player, our job is to figure out how do we build the best medical support for the best treatment for you. And while Mike waits, we are now closer than ever to the first FDA-approved cannabis-based drug. So how did it happen? That when we come back. We have to find that out. We only have a few more minutes left. Let's see where we are. Thousands of miles away from Mike James and the NFL, a big breakthrough brews in these secret labs. This is probably the most TLC for a weed I've ever heard of. One would hope so. Absolutely. When we visited here five years ago, it was a dream that's now about to become reality. GW Pharmaceutical CEO Justin Gover. We're now just a matter of a couple of months away from potential approval and launch of the first ever plant-derived cannabis-based medicine in the United States. The first of its kind, a prescription medicine made from cannabidiol, CBD. It's called Epidiolex a liquid solution that potentially can help thousands of kids who suffer from epileptic seizures. Young children like Vivian Wilson and Charlotte Figgy, who you met in our previous weed documentaries. We just have to do the old-fashioned way. When it came to finding the right treatment for their kids, these families were often left to trial and error. So we just had more oil then, or we had more weed? In some cases, even extracting the badly needed medicine in their own kitchens. We can assure patients that they receive the same product day in and day out. Five years ago, when we started reporting on this, things were desperate. Parents left with the choice of cannabis or death. Researchers weren't behind them. Society had turned its back. And now we are on the eve of a new drug being approved. Could the same happen with opioids? Could pot become a reasonable and accepted alternative to pills? We have seen in early studies the potential for cannabinoids um, within the, the drug addiction field and within the opioid sparing and pain fields as well. So like with many other areas, we're at the cusp of a new era of potential uses for cannabinoids. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb. If you can demonstrate that a product based on, on marijuana, derivative of marijuana, can be used as a safe and effective alternative for some other, for some condition, we want to look at that. But cannabis-based pharmaceuticals for pain and addiction are still far off on the horizon. In the meantime, all over the country, people have taken action, unwilling or unable to wait any longer. Like in Maine known for its rugged coastline, fishing villages, and iconic lighthouses. And now, known for overdose deaths, which has doubled here over the past three years. Jamie Higgins lost her brother to opioids. Battling the opiate crisis is going to come down to us doing things that a lot of people are going to feel uncomfortable about. It's going to be, I think, those shocking changes that really bring change to, to the epidemic. Shocking changes and bold steps. And the cannabis, I think you're using it really well. When will the medical community catch up with what their patient populations are doing? With two outpatient clinics in the state, Dustin Sulak has treated hundreds of people who have used cannabis to wean off of opioids. We see the drug list is whittling down and down. 
There's no pill, there's no spray, there's no drop, no puff can completely solve this problem. But cannabis, when it's used in the right way, can take a big bite out of it. So far, it's worked for Angie Slinker. I know I'm never going to be pain-free, ever, but cannabis has given me a reason to live. And cannabis has also worked for Doug Campbell. They are both patients of Dr. Sula, and they believe without medical marijuana, their addiction would have killed them. Doug tried everything to quit opioids, dozens of rehabs, including the gold standard methadone and suboxone treatments, but nothing worked. Then... You try the cannabis, it filled the void. They don't want to overstate or understate this, but decades of opioid use, 32 times in and out of rehab, you try the cannabis and it works instantly. Is that, is that real? That's real. I have no craving, I have no desire, I do not have any thought about it at all, period. But to so many, these stories, the thousands of stories around the country are simply not enough. I have not seen a single story that has shown that uh, by giving a patient suffering from an opioid use disorder cannabis, they are able to stop taking uh, opioids. We cannot be guided by wishful thinking. We need objective data. People are dying. You cannot help dead people. There's no waiting. Transformation pain cream, and it has 400 milligrams of active cannabinoids. It's got THC, which is excellent for pain relief. Roxanne Gullickson recently opened one of the only pot-based substance abuse treatment programs in the country. We're a good family, but literally everyone we know knows somebody who has died of an overdose. How ahead of the curve, if you will, is, is Maine and is what you're doing in all this? We're pioneers. We get a lot of pushback, but having actually experienced it, to not share it would be immoral. It's a message being heard in the state capitol, even by the most conservative politicians. Republican State Senator Eric Brakey is proposing radical legislation. He wants to add opioid addiction to the list of qualifying conditions for the state's medical marijuana program, making it easier for opioid addicts to access cannabis. The age-old debate is this idea, are you trading one drug for another. Even if we are doing a trade from a narcotic that people can overdose on to a plant that is non-narcotic and no one has ever overdosed on in the history of the world, you know, if that's the trade that we're making, then that sounds like not so bad a trade. <laughs> and Senator Brakey isn't the only one willing to make that deal. Medical marijuana, medical marijuana. A big announcement by Governor Murphy about medical marijuana. One that I think should be considered, and that is recovery from uh, opioid uh, addiction. Other states like New Jersey, Connecticut, and New Mexico are now considering similar legislation. All people are asking for is the freedom to make their own choices with this, to try something for themselves as they are attempting to break the grip of addiction. It's the same freedom Mike James is asking the NFL for as he fights for a therapeutic use exemption for medical marijuana. If approved, it would be the first of its kind in any professional sports league. It would also mean Mike James would no longer have to choose between the sport he loves and his health. If you look at your biography 30 years from now, it's probably going to say professional football player in the first line. But medicinal marijuana advocate, I mean, is that what you want to be known for? 
Yes, I'm fine with that, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed about it. Um, it is something that I will continue to use because I have a life to live. <laughs> Mike James, just one of so many people who claimed their lives were saved because they traded these pills for pop. Okay, now hold on. But now the struggle continues for researchers to catch up, to gather data, and the scientific evidence to once again prove the power of this plant. So I think we posted that up on our chat. We did. So you can check that out yourself and rewatch it. We didn't mean to go so long and so over stuff with this because it's just so it's just it's so moving and it's just real. It is real and it's it's a, it is it's a miracle plant and it's saving lives, you know, and no wonder um they just decided to legalize on their own. They're the biggest they're the state with the most overdose. I mean that's that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> we want to do a quick shout out before we end the show. We always say we might go over, so that's just the way it goes. But we want to give a shout out to Grower's House. If you want to start growing your own cannabis or strawberries, or um, get on down to Grower's House. Go to growershouse.com and check out um, Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. It's a a great new magazine. It's not so new anymore. It's got a few issues out there, and they're cruising along. Um, check them out. They're Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. It is free to subscribe, and it's an awesome online magazine. <clears throat> You're sitting and listening from your couch. Uh, thank you to Tumbleweed Health Center always at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Um, we're enjoying meeting all the veterans coming down to the Veterans Resource Project, so thanks, guys. Can't conference for everybody. Um, don't forget, check out tumbleweedshealthcenter.com to find out what you need to come to bring with you or to get before you come on down for your appointments. It just makes it makes everything easy and a lot easier for you if you have all your records. Um, and that's about it, folks. I can't believe that was a, kind of a quick show, but not. And thank you so lots much for information. Yeah, for lots sure. of information. Um, hit that blog and get. I mean, get on the blog and get that link and just watch read one, two, three, and four. It's fantastic. It's seriously fantastic. Lots going on in the world of Canada. Get educated. Get out there and read the initiatives and vote wisely. Do your research before you vote and um, make sure it's going to help the patients and the people of the planet. And next week, we'll just be chatting about what we just listened to today, probably week and everything else going on in the world of cannabis. The most important thing is to get yourself educated. Remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Stop that. It's all good now.
we need folks to take up their 